All right. Hello, everybody. We're back. Welcome back. It's the After Smokes podcast. Did you, uh, what's going on this week? Did you watch the, uh, the Parkland trial was this week? I didn't watch any Did, of it, no. You didn't watch any of it? No. I, uh, I had my TV on, so I, like, turned it on, mm-hmm. and, uh, I was watching some of the victim, like, impact statements, and, uh, you know, usually, like, in the movies and stuff, that's the time for people to be like, you know, I, I don't hold any, I forgive you, I don't have any, like, hate in my heart for you anymore, mm-hmm. but every, everybody got up there and was like, fuck you, you're fucking garbage, <laughs> Everybody was like, "You're disgust." Like they, 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 they took turns calling this kid disgusting, and that they hated him, and that they hoped he burned in hell, and uh, almost to the point where you kind of felt bad for the Parkland shooter. Yeah, you know, where you like, because I imagine you're him. You're like, "All right, here we go." Oh, this old, okay, old lady. Oh, she's gonna call me a, an asshole. She's yeah. gonna call me a demon. He must have been like, I gave so many people media careers, and yeah. not one word of thank you. Yeah, right. I know. David Hogg, where would David Hogg be right now? Riding his bike to another school shooting, you know, <laughs> trying to get famous. You got a book deal. You got a book deal. Exactly. Do you know how many non-binaries David Hogg got to run through? Yeah. Because I walked into that school. Exactly. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so then, so then, like the day after, I was like, me and me and Deb were getting breakfast at the bakery, and I was like, "Do you?" I was like, I was watching the Parkland trial the other day, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, I really don't want to talk about like uh, death and stuff. I don't want to. I don't. It's it doesn't do anything for me. It yeah. doesn't help my. It doesn't help my day. And I'm like, all right, okay. I'm like, okay, fine. Um." So I'm like, all right, fine, all right, don't worry about it. She's like, yeah, and I know you probably think like, oh, I don't give a shit about the world. <laughs> she just starts like rubbing it. And she starts like, <laughs> I was ready to drop it, but she starts like bullying me even more for watching a fucking trial, you know. But the, you know, that's just that's how a relationship goes. Opposites attract. Anyway, I come home and I'm in I'm in this room. I'm getting some work done, and she walks in and she's sobbing, mm. and she goes, uh, one of my there's a kid that she sees. And uh, she says that like, she goes, this kid, this kid's dad is like very involved. He sits in on, on the session, the speech therapy sessions. You know, he sits in and she's like, and I just found out that the, 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 his dad died. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about that. It just made me, it just made me sick. Because my first thought was like, I wonder if this dad made a podcast for his, for his kid, kid, his two-year-old kid, yeah. which I don't know. I've never been like faced with something that yeah. sad. Yeah. You should be like an ambulance chaser, but about like, you know, like kids who lost their fathers. You should just mm. hand them, you know, little stickers with the podcast on it. Gives, gives them access to our yeah our a QR yeah. code. Yeah, a QR code. That's like a good idea. Funerals or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Look, only two fifty a month. <laughs> yeah. If your father died in the last yeah, month, we'll yeah. give you half off. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna want this podcast later when it's. And it's fifty minutes of the meandering, one thing who and then kills one. Their dad, so one, they could pay <laughs> half yeah. off. And then one tip on how to get grease stains out of your clothes <laughs> after fifty minutes of, of crap. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, I don't know. It's been that has been you know it's a that's a bummer. That kid lost his dad. It's, it's tough to lose your dad. You know that young. I'm just thinking about that. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, hi. So anyway, so we got an we got an episode that we're doing. We're talking about uh, we're talking about Pat Tillman That's today. Right. Yep. The uh, Afghan, the Afghan war hero, hero the hero. Afghan war hero who was heroically uh, murdered. He was heroically murdered by Al Qaeda. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know you need you need heroes. So he was a he was a real hero. 
But. Yeah, one of the listeners, we, we mentioned the Pat Tillman story briefly. And, you know, for those who don't know, he's a former uh, NFL player for the Arizona Cardinals. He enlisted after 9-11 in the U.S. Army. He was an Army Ranger. And then in 2004, he was killed in Afghanistan in a quote-unquote friendly fire incident. And uh, we mentioned it on a previous episode, and a listener said it'd be a, an interesting uh, full episode idea. So I did a bit of research on it, and uh, I agree. I think it is a, a very interesting story. So we'll go over yeah. some of the outlines of that today. And uh, yeah. if we run out of time, we'll continue it on the Patreon. Ben's yeah. into it. Hi. Hi. Mommy. Door. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Ben's um, interested sorry. In we're truth. trying to get I a lock. We're trying to get a lock on that door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben's like, baby killers in Afghanistan? I'm into it. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about uh, like the like the your takeaways from the thing, or do you want to start at the beginning? Yeah, when Pat well, Tillman's dad fucked yeah, his like, mom. Was he a good baseball player? Let's go there. Let's start yeah. with that. He was on the Cardinals. Yeah, football. so he was good enough. That's a football team. Yeah, well, yeah. The Cardinals were a baseball. The Arizona. Team. Well, there's a St. Louis Cardinals, and then there's the Arizona Cardinals. So the XFL. No, it's the NFL. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you're right. Actually, we should start with the conclusions because that's the most interesting thing. You know, you start with the hook and then you kind of go backwards. And mm -hmm. my personal opinion is there's no doubt at all in my mind that Pat Tillman was intentionally murdered. He was fragged. Mm -hmm. He was intentionally killed. Uh, I would bet my life, bet your guys' life, all the $400 nice. in my bank account on it. I would do, like, any bet, I would take Sean that. Sean just wants to die. I know, right? <laughs> but... So I, I have zero doubt in my mind saying that he was intentionally murdered. But when you get into the why and the who did it, yeah. I have educated guesses. Right. So we'll get to those. But I listened to a couple true crime podcasts because this is like, you know, this true crime shit. They make crazy money and we should be getting in on this. But uh, uh -huh. th there are some true crime podcasts about Pat Tillman and this whole story. And I wanted to start by mentioning two facts that I never heard mentioned on any of the true true crime podcast that I listened to. And that's after the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan and after we overthrew the Taliban in 2001, uh, there was an explosion in heroin trafficking and child boy rape. They mm -hmm. both massively increased in Afghanistan after 2001. Mm -hmm. And uh, so occasionally... Can you defend that, Mike? What? Heroin trafficking? There was a rise in... So, so America takes over. Yes. There's a rise in heroin trafficking and what? Boy rape. Uh -huh. How do you, as a man who supports the American troops, <laughs> tell Sean why well, I that's never said actually I a good thing? Oh, why that's a good thing? Yeah. Um, or why it could happen, actually. Well, I don't know. Like, Have you ever like seen a pack of teenage boys coming towards you and you, you get scared? You're like, they're going to they're gonna roast me? <laughs> yeah, so you rape them? You preemptively rape well, you them don't, so they you don't make rape, fun of your shoes? You can't rape them all, but you rape one of them. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. yeah. so that they're, they're too, he's too insecure to, to make fun of you. Because, um, yeah, I always think, do you ever think about like when you see like a pack of 12-year-olds, you're like, mm. could I take them in a fight? Yeah. If they got like rowdy or if they tried to like hurt my family? And I think I always think what I would do is I would just find one of them and just like slam their head into a wall or yeah. or, or the concrete, you know. I would just go really hard on one. Sure, yeah. So I'd that's also the way I would rape one of them. <laughs> yeah, you take your clothes off first. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But also, like, what what if the stat is actually you know? So America gets to this country, and now the stat is all these boys coming forward, going like, "Oh yeah, I was raped before you got here," and they go, "Okay, that's rape, that's rape, that's rape," and they count up all the rapes that boys are comfortable talking about. Yeah. Well, so this is uh, and the, this is my evidence for this. 
is uh, the Taliban, who are not nice guys, but there's a Afghani practice called uh, Bakabazi or Dancing Boys. They've done some documentaries on it. It goes back hundreds of years. The Taliban, they partly came to power in 1996 because uh, they were against that. They banned it. They actually enforced the death penalty against yeah. it. So they were they, heroes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they enforced the death penalty against that and also just homosexuality. Right. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So no, no purity broken, tests yeah, yeah, yeah. in your election, okay? Yeah, you know. Yeah, right. But that's the thing is, I'll read, for example, Foreign Policy Magazine is sort of a, an organ of the U.S. foreign policy establishment. And Foreign Policy Magazine will write, the corrupt Afghani government that we propped up and the U.S. troops, we were the lesser evil compared to the Taliban. Mm-hmm. And what I absolutely have come to believe is that we were the greater evil. Hmm. And again, we killed... Conservative estimate, 200,000 people there. Right. Over the 20 years, we killed 200,000 So when you people. saw the Taliban in the palace using the elliptical <laughs> machines, Sean was like, oh, It looked he like they were having Sean. fun. Yeah. He was wearing his uh, Mola Omar jersey and, uh, yeah. Right. But, you know, like, let me support those statements because, again, increase in child rape, increase in opium trafficking. Yeah. Something that doesn't get a lot of attention, and uh, Peter Dale Scott has Wait, so that's after after we invaded Afghanistan. After we invaded Afghanistan. So, so, to start with the opium trafficking, Peter Dale Scott, he wrote these books, American War Machine and Drugs, Oil, and War. Recommend them very much. But just to talk about opium production, uh, according to United Nations statistics, there were, in the year 2000, 3,276 metric tons of opium produced. That same year, the Taliban banned opium production in 2000. They banned it completely. The following year, mm. that fell to 185 metric tons, mm-hmm. 2001. And this was primarily in the Northern Alliance areas, the areas that were no longer controlled by the Taliban. So they, in one year, the Taliban achieved a 94% reduction in opium production in Afghanistan. Afghanistan was, at the time, about 70% of the world's opium supply, uh, recent estimates put it up to like 93%, but the majority of the world's opium comes from Afghanistan. By the time, by 2007, after we've overthrown them, uh, from 3,276 metric tons in 2000, it's all the way up to 8,200 metric tons in 2007. So it, it, it doubled, basically, as soon as we came in and knocked over the Taliban and set up our corrupt government, hmm. uh, which was led by this guy, Hamid Karzai, who his brother was one of the biggest heroin traffickers in the country, and he was a CIA asset. Hmm. So we set up, you know, and there was a, the London Daily Mail in 2007 reported the four largest players in the heroin business in Afghanistan were all senior members of the Afghan government. We propped up a corrupt government that everybody in the country hated that was all fucking heroin traffickers. But like, let let's say someone came here. Oh, here we go. To make the country <laughs> here we better. go. Here we I'm go. Not, no, I'm not even saying I believe this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, someone can't, comes to America and uh, they invade and they they got to make the country better, right? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, whatever America was before it had like it under control, whether it's right or wrong, right? So the Taliban had their things, and mm-hmm. of course, there's benefits from it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like. They're, they're being, like, overwhelmingly oppressive, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, look how low crime is. It's like, yeah, we don't get to do dick, like, you know, or whatever the hell it is. And then it's America comes in to free these people, and it's like, yeah, crime's going to go up for a while, especially, like, drug crime. Yeah. Because we're focusing on figuring out, like, 
your whole city is blown the fuck up and now and we have to worry about your drugs yeah, for the yeah, next yeah. few years like right, yeah right. your drugs are going to be sold like crazy pussy's right. going to be sold like crazy right. like People sorry we gonna... can't pay attention to those things at the moment mm-hmm. but uh we burnt your 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 country on fire and we got to figure that out first you know right and that just seems like war hmm. but the boy rape does sound like the troops are uh, pedophiles and I'm All sticking to it. Every yeah. troop, probably. Yeah. Well, the U.S. Mo- most, if not ev- every single one. For the most part, the U.S. troops were not raping the boys. And there have been like New York Times stories about uh, uh, U.S. special forces and other, you know, army and military personnel who actually got disciplined because they would beat the shit out of, you know, local Afghan police captains who would keep little boys chained to their beds. But there were also stories about the CIA would give warlords Viagra so they could more effectively rape their little boys. I mean, it was very sick what was going on there, but to talk about the Bakabazi and the Dancing Boys, there's an article about this by uh, Chris Mondlock. In, uh, the CIA is like evil when they don't even have to be. Yeah, yeah. mostly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this article by Chris Mondlock in, uh, in Foreign Policy magazine, it, he says that one of the f- original factors mobilizing the rise of the Taliban was their opposition to this uh, Dancing Boy stuff, and he admits that uh, the practice of Bakabazi has actually go- grown more rampant since 2001 he wrote this in 2013 Mm -hmm. and he says according to the military experts i talked to in afghanistan the lawlessness that followed the deposing of the taliban in uh, rural uh, pashtunistan and uh, northern afghanistan gave rise to violent expressions of pedophilia boys were raped kidnapped and trafficked as sexual predators you know warlords regained their positions of regional power as rule of law mechanisms and general order returned to the afghan countryside bakabazi became normalized uh, structured practice in many areas where basically families who had a lot of children would kind of give one of their boys to the local warlord in order to uh, to be raped. Damn, how uh, do they make that decision? Uh, according to the foreign policy, in order to gain familial prestige and monetary compensation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, kind of what happened is, you know, the Taliban... Uh, I would imagine having three brothers and you're the one that, like, has to... Wait, so, you're so like, you give your me. kid... You let your, you let your landlord have sex with your son? Basically, yeah. Imagine you complaining, like still complaining about your landlord. Oh, and also he fucked my son on top of that. Yeah. Well, I'm still going to complain about my landlord. (laughs) I mean, he probably wants to fuck my son, to be honest. Right. In the oven, it doesn't get to 450 degrees. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it only gets to 300. This guy won't fix my oven. Mm Mm-hmm. This black mold. Yeah, but <laughs> and guess- he raped my child, <laughs> who I would die for. It, it does make you realize, though, that when war hits your country, like, the freaks come out. Like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. There's chaos in the streets. Like, if you're a cannibal, yeah. time to cannibal, right? Yeah, right. So creepy I guess that's the theme of zombie movies, right? It's like when there's a cr- people show you who they are when there's, like, a crisis. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and the same is for if, uh, if the Russians showed if, up, right? Yeah. Who's going to start randomly biting off dicks just because the Russians showed up, you know? Yeah. Um, Not me. I'll tell you that much. No, I'm... I'm Even if I've it does never, start happening I've never in wanted City. to do that. <laughs> uh, quoting from the Foreign Policy article, quote, Some estimates say that as many as 50% of the men in the Pashtun tribal areas of southern Afghanistan take boy lovers as of 2013 so like half the fucking men are doing this and it's just one of those things where i'm sure it it goes back hundreds of years and i'm sure it continued when the taliban took over but it it got more underground whereas uh the taliban for all their problems they 
sort of suppressed local warlords. But who was in power before the Taliban? Just local warlords? Yeah, it was the the Soviet government, and then we funded the opposition to the Soviet government, and then it splintered into this civil war after the Soviets left, and the civil war goes into, like, 96 until the Taliban wins, but the Northern Alliance uh, remains in opposition in the northern part of the country, and that's who the U.S. backed and mm-hmm. who eventually uh, overthrew the Taliban and replaced it. Mm-hmm. And the Northern Alliance were, were drug traffickers. You they know, there's, there's no way around that. And they had, uh, the CIA established a relationship with them in 2000. The, the head of the Northern Alliance was a guy named Ahmed Shah Massoud. You were just describing Suge Knight up until this point, <laughs> yeah, until basically. you said his name. But um, uh, Massoud was the head of the Northern Alliance, and uh, the CIA in 2000 entered a partnership with him. Peter Dale Scott writes he's a known drug trafficker. Um, he was, uh, as I mentioned, a CIS, but Peter Dale Scott has also written about, he was assassinated September 9th. You might have heard this story. He was the Northern Alliance leader, was killed two days before 9-11. And uh, Peter Dale Scott has written about, it's a pretty suspicious assassination where, yeah, he worked with the CIA. Yeah, he took their weapons. Yeah, he dealt drugs. But he was always adamant no U.S. troops would ever be allowed into Afghanistan. So it just so happens that the leader of this Northern Alliance who's against U.S. troops is killed two days before 9-11, and then suddenly, you know, they get a more uh, pliable leader who's okay with U.S. troops coming in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's like, you, you you can't ignore the statistics, which are, there's this big increase in heroin traffic and this big increase in, in child rape, so you can understand why people would hate the government. But it's also, when I was trying to conceive why you would kill Pat Tillman, those were where I went originally. Essentially, the idea that maybe he knew he was a ranger, maybe he knew something he wasn't supposed to, he was a big celebrity, maybe he was going to blab about it. Uh, they burned his journal after he died, which is like totally against any army regulation. Mm-hmm. So that was my original theory, but I also think it's just possible they just fucking killed him because he was anti-war. He was emailing with Noam Chomsky about when he gets out of the service, how to best to oppose the war. And he's just a guy where you look at a picture of him, he's like, you know, football star, war hero. He looks like fucking Giga Chad. He's got this... Yeah, but he was like a pretty decent guy. Like He seems like a nice enough guy, yeah. yeah. You know, he had a code of honor and all that. But yeah. it, it's just one thing where, you know, 2004, you can kind of dismiss all the hippies and the, you know, the dirty, pasty people like myself. But when you got an actual war hero, football star, right. all-American anti-war guy yeah that's a serious liability for the bush administration and the war in general and what happens is like you let him live and come back and he's a liability or you kill him over there suddenly he's a huge asset he's a martyr he's a martyr yeah yeah so you know and uh, essentially they got everything they ever wanted which doesn't prove that they did it but it's one of those things where it's like it's a coincidence that seemed to work out just perfect for them where they were able to sell their fucking war, they were able to keep us there another 20 years, and they were able to... And, and so that's like, you know, it's it's sort of like with 9-11, where all these negligence and incompetence explanations don't really add up to me, because they essentially, they negligenced and incompetenced their way into exactly what they wanted, exactly what their goals were, and exactly what worked out best for their interests and the interests of the people who make money off that uh, at that war. Right. But yeah, so those are, you know, those are my kind of three theories for, for why he got killed. I'll spell out the evidence and all that that later. But uh, and the other thing I just wanted to say was like, you kind of go through this with with a lot of U.S. government covert ops. 
where they start out where they have a cover story and then if that gets blown they just shift to like incompetence or negligence mm-hmm. uh the example i would use would be frank olson um they they uh they made that documentary wormwood about him but he was the head of fort detrick mm-hmm. the uh the army uh, bioweapons program he was killed he was thrown out of a hotel room after being hit in the head in the uh, the 1950s, the early 50s, and originally they just said he committed suicide. And then later in the 70s, they say, okay, we dosed him with LSD, and then he jumped to his death because he was freaking out on his LSD trip. Mm. And that's the story to this day, is essentially incompetence, negligence. Yeah. And you kind of see the same thing with Pat Tillman, where the first story is he was killed heroically, charging up a hill, chasing all these Taliban away. Mm-hmm. And then they had to abandon that one, but not after they get like a big, you know, funeral memorial and Bush gives a speech and they really right. kind of ramp up Bush's reelection campaign with this story. But after that, they admit or they go to the second story, which is what's still the current story, which is friendly fire, negligence, accident. And mm-hmm. I'll go through the um, the actual evidence of what happened and why I don't think the accidental negligence story holds up. Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess, well, they say he was such a high-profile person that, like, they didn't, there was a, there was a, they didn't want Bush to misspeak about him. Right. Because if he said something that was, like, factually, you know, incorrect, it would be very embarrassing for the president. Right. That's, um, we know basically the entire military and, um, and the Bush administration knew within a week that mm-hmm. the story they were telling the public about this heroic death and battle with the Taliban was mm. not true because mm. General Stanley McChrystal or the White House was going to have Bush give a speech and they reached out to McChrystal about what happened and he wrote this uh, memo uh, Tillman died April 22nd he wrote this memo April 29th and sent it to the White House and all the highest ranking generals which said we believe this was a friendly fire incident a fratricide mm. and then Bush changes his speech where he's initially going to say he got killed by engagement in engagement with the enemy and he's instead changes it to more nonspecific. You know, he was killed in fire or killed in, you know, right. whatever. Right. Yeah, he was just like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> yeah. Scott, you said a funny thing in the text where you're like, uh, yeah, they, they killed him because they thought his head was a tank. <laughs> his head has so many uh, edges. And <laughs> yeah, he does kind of look like a Humvee. Oh, yeah, he's just yeah. A, a Hummer face. Yeah, yeah a tank he, of a man. Yeah, he looks like an ISIS Toyota. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they killed him because he was going to reveal the existence of the Kandahar giant. <laughs> killed those special forces in Afghanistan. <laughs> Dude, that war sucked so much that, like, even this, like, he's not even a big deal celebrity player. Like, they had to play it off like that, and then it didn't work out. What do you mean? No one was a, people had Pat Tillman jerseys before Pat Tillman went to war? Um, yeah, people, like, knew, he was probably the most famous a soldier in Afghanistan. That's what I'm saying, though. I'm saying that's how much the war sucked. Mm-hmm. They didn't have, like, an Elvis to murder if they could have, you right. know? Even right. though I'm sure Elvis wasn't anywhere. We should do research on where he was. Mm-hmm. Right. You're saying they didn't have, like a, like, a Harry Styles? Yeah, they go, who do we kill? And then they go, Pat Tillman. And they go, what? Isn't he, like, an evangelical? Does it, doesn't he, like, uh, do infomercials at night? And they go, no, that's somebody else. And they go, who the fuck's Pat Tillman? Mm-hmm. And they go... We're going to shoot him in the fucking face, and we're going to make the people care. Yeah. And they go, all right. Well, yeah. it's weird. Like, you know, uh, Carrie Lake is uh, this kind of QAnon lady who's running for governor of Arizona, and she might might win, but she's mentioned Pat Tillman on, on Twitter 
just this year, a few months ago. So this story does maintain relevance, even all these years later. And to, to my mind, that's evidence that they killed him and they were so far successful. And they've gotten the public to largely buy this accidental friendly fire story. And like I said, all the true crime podcasts I listened to essentially backed up this friendly fire story as told by the military. It's just Republicans uh, now that, you know, when Biden pulled out, they're just like, Pat Tillman died for nothing. <laughs> That's their stance on uh, Biden's pullout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Afghanistan? All right. Yeah, but uh, I will uh, I will put the the links to some of the articles I read in the description. But there's also the documentary The Tillman Story on YouTube. I watched that. Uh, not everything I'll say is from that, but that's a good source. It was you know the his mom and his brother they were they cooperated with that, so it has a lot of uh, a lot of some of the information here. Yeah, his mom's kind of got it going on a little bit. I mean, she's like an attractive older lady. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what the dad's problem was. They're divorced. Yeah, you should. If, if his face is a tank, uh, she's got bazookas. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should. Uh, d- <laughs> exactly. DM her. DM her and DM offer her. him the uh, the Patreon out for smokes dead son discount yeah, special. Dead son discount special. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a bad for idea. a Veterans Day, which I think is like right is, is when we release at least the Patreon, right? Or November 11th, I think is Veterans. Yeah, Day. it's coming up. Yeah, next week. Yeah, wouldn't you? It's just weird to think because it didn't. It didn't seem like they had any when they were like investigating their son's murder. They didn't really have any um like fear that there would be retaliation or anything. Like like you would just think that if 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 I was going up against the military, I'd be like, all right, yeah, whatever you say. It's probably some stuff I'm not supposed to know about. His mom, you know? his mom gives a quote at some point where she says something to affect the effect of they can shoot me dead in the street and I'm not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine if your child was killed, like, yeah. you would not care about yourself until right. you got the truth. Right. And ultimately, you know, there were seven army investigations and one congressional investigation and they didn't really get the truth, but they got elements of it. Mm-hmm. And then the army essentially blamed a three-star general and demoted him one star and mm-hmm. took like a few grand out of his retirement paycheck. Mm-hmm. And they said, justice mm-hmm. is served, and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. And that's been the official story ever since. And the official story was that he gave bad orders or something? or Right. He engaged in a, in a cover-up, but it wasn't mm-hmm. malicious or negligent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and even they interview him, this three-star general... Uh, I believe, yeah, General Kinzinger. Yeah, Kinzinger, yeah. They interview him in the in the in the Tillman story documentary, and he basically says, "I was following orders." Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it directly, but he says, "You know, as a soldier, you learn, you follow orders, right. you salute, you turn around, you get it done, you right. don't ask questions." Right. And he says, essentially, it's sad to get punished for doing that my whole career. Yeah. So he doesn't come out and say it, but it is clear that this went higher than this three-star general they eventually penned it on. Right. Right. It's it's weird. I feel like we sometimes think of the military as this, you know, like because you think of the individuals that make up the military and they're probably like, for the most part, trying to do the right thing because they have to believe in what they're doing. You know, like those babies aren't going to kill themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is a target. Everything is a Walmart. And so the military, it's just like, you know, you have a bunch of these Walmart employees. Yeah. And uh, at some point, you know, someone's going to be like, yo, let's kill this motherfucker and burn his journal. I think think he's calling us gay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know how it is when you work in retail. When you work in retail. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you want to kill a a guy who works with you for for possibly exposing you for (laughs) uh, fucking little boys. Uh We've all been there. It's the American story. Yeah, yeah. 
They weren't uh, fucking little boys. They were trafficking them. Trafficking them. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just very. It, it's weird when you think about like the chain of command in the military. Because there's that quote from Henry Kissinger where he's like, "Military men are dumb animals that That's are right, supposed yes. to, you know, that will do your bidding for you." So you think of the people in the military. You think of like the soldiers and the generals as like pretty principled, like honorable people. Mm-hmm. But they're. But then when you think about the chain of command, the chain like. Donald Trump was at the, t- <laughs> the top of the <laughs> people like Donald Trump, George W. Bush, sure, yeah, you know, Hillary Clinton, God forbid, mm-hmm. are at the top. Just kidding. Um, or the but that are at the top of that chain of command. Then they they probably answer to a lot of the people in the military industrial complex who were just like right, like business people. Yeah, basically. I mean, as we've mentioned, we were spending the U.S. was spending three hundred million a day in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and most of that money wound up back in U.S. bank accounts. It went to mm-hmm. West weapons contractors, mm-hmm. Wall Street, mm-hmm. and that's not even including, as I mentioned, the heroin trade, mm-hmm. which some estimates say after the financial crisis in two thousand eight, some banks were only supported by all that money, all that drug money they were laundering. Mm-hmm. And Peter Dell Scott's talked about the three most valuable commodities. In international trade, in terms of volume, you know, the amount of money made every year trading them is number one, oil, number two, weapons, number three, illicit drugs. Mm -hmm. And if you take a materialist view of history, the idea that, you know, economic factors are kind of the primary motivator, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, the people who make money off those three most valuable commodities on earth are going to occasionally engage in conspiracy and assassination and vote rigging and all this other stuff to protect their fucking money. Yeah. So that's it is just something where the war in Afghanistan and really every U.S. war, uh, particularly since World War II, uh, has really only existed to just keep going and make money. It's it's not even about any real objective. It's just as long as there's a war going on, we're going to be spending a shit ton of money. Right. So the wars, they're just fought so that wars will be fought and keep being fought. Yeah. Yeah, it's just funny to look back at Afghanistan, like you know, twenty years later. Yeah, and uh, just the the stories, the stories that we were told. Yeah, because I remember me and my friends being like, "Oh yeah, you know, like the, the Iraq, yeah, that's bad, but like Afghanistan, we should probably be there because you know Osama bin Laden was there." Or, yeah, when or I was whatever. when I was a seventeen year old, I wanted to join the army, mm-hmm. and I told the recruiter, "Like, yeah, could I just like get sent to Afghanistan, not, not Iraq? Iraq?" Yeah, he's like, "Well, it doesn't really work that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> you kind of go where you're told." Yeah. But, you know, that's just is you're a naive kid and, you know, you're like, well, they attacked us on 9-11. Well, why are we still there? Right. You know, 10, 20 fucking years later. Right. Why don't we just bomb Saudi Arabia if we want to make money? Because they're helping us make money. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. and Saudi ruling classes are very intertwined at this point, right. and they definitely both have a lot of dirt on each other, but mm-hmm. it might still happen. Yeah. You know, I, Saudi Arabia be... just warned all their people that um, there's going to be an imminent attack from Iran. Possible. Yeah, that's what they said. I only know that because there's a uh, WWE is going there this weekend. And <laughs> to they Iran? Might, to Saudi Arabia, and they oh. might have to cancel the show because of uh, the Iran threat. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And if you kill Roman Reigns, motherfuckers. Yeah, it's on. Finally. You're going to enlist. enlist, Bunch of wrestling fans (laughs) enlist. (laughs) Enlisting in the army, yeah. (laughs) Just like spitting into their hand before they, you know, smack again. You know. Yeah. Wrestling goes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I hope they get to do the show so they can find a racist caricature of an Iranian to be a wrestler in the event. (laughs) Uh Yeah, exactly. Do you think there'll ever be like a progressive who's like, and we're going to bomb Saudi Arabia? (laughs) 
And that's what they run on? Well, that's what they're kind of doing. I mean, in my opinion, with this Ukraine shit, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody on the Democrats and the progressives, they're all... They're all in favor of World War Three. Yeah, you know the 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 squad and Bernie. They all said that letter that they were initially pushing for negotiations with Russia was bad and treason, and anybody who questions them on it is a Putin asset. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's a pretty grim situation right now in terms of any opposition to the war. It, it mostly, honestly, mostly just coming from Trump supporters. The opposition to the war. In the the Ukraine, the, yeah. by polling, as of right now, about 48% of Republicans say we're doing too much to support Ukraine, sending them too much money and all that. Right. Yeah, when does it, uh, yeah, when's it over? Well, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, it could go south. But that's, we'll, we'll, we'll have a, uh, another episode on that, that mm-hmm. subject. Okay. But to get back to uh, the story of Pat Tillman, to kind of start from the beginning, uh, he played as a safety for the Arizona Cardinals from 1998 to 2001. He's a pretty good defensive player. Uh, in 2002, he turned down a $3.6 million three-year contract fr- offer from the Cardinals to enlist in the U.S. Army. He apparently earlier turned down a five-year $9 million offer from the St. Louis Rams out of loyalty to the Cardinals. So, again, that all kind of shows you that... Uh, He's kind of a simp. <laughs> He's got... Well, you know, it's like... It, it's something where I, I learn about this guy's <laughs> life... <laughs> he he essentially believes in an America that doesn't exist anymore. Right, right, right. We we talked about that with you know Jimmy Stewart and and Joe DiMaggio and these ball players all going to fight in World War II and mm-hmm. uh, you know putting themselves in like great danger and like the Kennedys like you know John's older brother got killed mm-hmm. the guy who was supposed to be president he got killed in World War II and this is like one of the richest most powerful families in in the country at the time and they're sending their kids over to fight in the wars and. Like, that's not the United States anymore. That's mm-hmm. the millionaires. They're, they want the wars to go on forever because they make money, mm-hmm. but they're not going to send their fucking kids. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go themselves. They want the poor mm-hmm. to just go and get blown apart in these wars. So mm-hmm. Pat Tillman's kind of a throwback where he's one of the last, to my knowledge, millionaires to ever enlist in the U.S. Army. And he became a celebrity for that reason because he did it right after 9-11. And he does it in 2002. And it's it's just... You, you see that throughout his his life and his career where, like I said, he turned down that $9 million offer because he, he honestly, he bought honor and loyalty and all that. And it's something where, you know, obviously you respect it, but at the same time you look at what the U.S. is now and you just, you kind of feel like a sucker if you're, yeah, if if you you're still it. buying into this shit mm-hmm. at what the U.S. has become because, you know, nobody in the ruling class, none of the powerful buy this shit. This is just, right. this is slop they sell to us, the idiots, right. who are supposed to be this, the bodies right. in their little property empire. Mm-hmm. What, if he, what if he just wanted a weedy? Sometimes the slop it. tastes good. <laughs> you know, it's, you're like, oh, I kind of like the slop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're bad. They're, they're, they go, ma, ma, uh, jihad. <laughs> We got to go fight them. (laughs) But yeah, so in 2002, Pat Tillman and his brother Kevin, they go through basic training. They go through the first part of Ranger School. Ranger School is more elite, like Special Forces unit of the Army. They're not officially operators, but they're like the level just below that. Um, He deploys in Operation Iraqi Freedom. He writes in his private journal calling the war bullshit apparently he talked to other soldiers and he said the war was quote fucking illegal Mm -hmm. because they were watching the bombing of i think baghdad or one of the cities and yeah he said this is so fucking illegal Mm -hmm. so he was quickly disillusioned with the iraq war just the the way they were bombing 
Yeah, I mean, and the entire invasion he thought was illegal. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, he was a well-read guy. He would read, you know, the Bible, the Quran, the Book of Mormon. And uh, not, he was an atheist, but he was just very interested in religion. He read Noam Chomsky. As I mentioned, he emailed with Chomsky back and forth shortly before his death. So why go to the Why enlist? I guess he thought... He only gave one interview on this that was released posthumously. And he essentially said... Uh, it's kind of bullshit after we've been attacked that I'm just here like playing football and not putting my life on the line, you know, because he had apparently a, a family history of military service, mm-hmm. like his grandpa and his, you know, great grandpa served. It's and messed all that. up all those innocent day traders who died in the fucking World Trade Center. <laughs> all the scum of the earth. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That, that Israeli man who hit his detonator and then tripped and fell yeah. as he was on his way to the exit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just something where... Yeah, all those guys that eat $27 salads for lunch every day. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something where you can imagine 2002, and certainly all of us, when we went through 9-11, we all thought America was under attack. You know, we liked this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I wanna... would have joined. They should have did child soldiers for like two years after that. Mm-hmm. Right. We all would have signed up. I think I would have signed up. Absolutely. Yeah. I would have been like a drummer boy or something. Yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 Release another Home Alone, you know, but make yeah. it like military style. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. No doubt. Osama Bin Laden getting hit with a, a paint can yeah, or something. Yeah, a big paint can, yeah, yeah, burning his hand on the door. Yeah. The army has to be like, no, no, not Bakabazi. He's one of ours. <laughs> don't yeah, rape yeah, yeah. him. This is an American. <laughs> you have to wear armbands so you don't get trafficked. Yeah. <laughs> Another fucked up thing I read about Bakabazi is uh, U.S. soldiers would go over there and, like, little boys would come up to them on the street and start, like, massaging their crotch mm-hmm. and they just couldn't understand why they were doing that mm-hmm. and it's because you know as the statistics say like 50 percent of the men are fucking pedophiles yeah and if you're a poor child well you get a bakabazi right guy to rape you and take care of you basically jeez i know it's jeez horrific please. and it's like god it's so fucked up that we were able to keep this going for 20 years but like i said it it speaks to the power of their pr machine and the fact that killing pat tillman was successful they achieved most all their objectives mm-hmm. but anyways um so he he does like i believe a three-month tour in iraq he gets back he finishes ranger school his face looks like what jay leno thinks his face looks like like if jay leno thinks he's attractive he thinks he has pat tillman's face mm-hmm. he does not mm. yeah wait so it's funny so so <laughs> afghanistan was co- was com- controlled by on one hand you had like heroin traffickers and boy rapers yeah boy rapers and then on the other hand, you had guys who put who locked girls in a school and set the school on fire. Wait, that and, happened? Yeah, and you think that the Northern Alliance was the lesser of the two evils? Yeah, mostly. I mean, misogyny like, much, right, Sean? But also, like, if you put the two hundred thousand dead on top of it, yeah, it's just yeah. one of those things where, yeah. even for the most part, like, there's rare exceptions like the Nazis, but for the mm. most part, even a bad government is better than the chaos and anarchy of no government mm-hmm. or a bunch of different warlords Interesting. who have their own little fiefdoms. Yeah. So that's what you see in, like, Libya and, and in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. where, you know, 200,000 dead, you, you knock down the government and everything goes to shit, and then you prop up this corrupt bunch of heroin traffickers and they, child rapists. Yeah. yeah, they should have, like, an overthrowing the government rule book at this point. Right, where like they gathered all the information of all the governments ever overthrown, and they go like, "This is what you do after," because nobody's been able to figure figure it out. Right? It's just 
Overthrow, overthrow, overthrow. That's what seems to happen. Right. They never overthrow, and they're like, hey, guys, it's... And then it's... Welcome, President Barney. <laughs> yeah. They just, it's never fixed. Yeah. It's just enough, it's just in construction until it's overthrown. Well, yeah, because if you voted for somebody, and then and then a rate of aliens, aliens overthrew him, you know? If aliens killed Obama, and they were like, no, how about this... How about Blorg here? Exactly. You'd be pretty pissed, so it wouldn't really work. Genuinely irritated, I think. Yeah. You're right with the Jay Leno comparison, because I was thinking, like, how did they get three headshots and Pat Tillman from that distance? Like, no, he had a giant mm-hmm. fucking head. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. you miss? Yeah. <laughs> like maybe a good those troops blimp. were Team Coco. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you guys remember that? Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so Pat Tillman, he completes his deployment in Iraq. He gets an offer from the NFL and the Army to essentially rotate out, because he did a combat tour mm-hmm. and uh, returned to the NFL. And because at this point, he's worth a lot more to the army as a recruitment poster. Mm -hmm. That's what they used him for. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, when he enlists in 2002, he gets a letter directly from Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld briefs the heads of the army, like, keep a close eye on this guy. Right. Never happens. You know, he's a big deal, a big celebrity. So it's like, don't don't let him see too much combat or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, in Iraq, when he was in Iraq, the Jessica Lynch story was that woman who was... uh, she was taken prisoner by the Republican Guard, but they just dropped her at an Iraqi hospital and kind of, you know, got the fuck out of there because the U.S. was killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was like a big fake story where they said she like shot to the last bullet in her clip and then they took her, ho- you know, yeah. took her hostage and raped her and all this. Yeah. It was all bullshit, but it was, again, just more PR from the Bush administration to sell the war. Right. But they get Pat Tillman to go on this raid to re- quote-unquote rescue her from the hospital, which the hospital would have handed her over at any point. Mm-hmm. But they actually delay it a day so they can have a camera, yeah, a camera, crew, crew, camera yeah. crew go along with them. So it's it's so clear where they're just using Pat Tillman as a PR piece to, in the Bush administration case, sell the war. But for the Army, you need a recruitment poster, a guy who gets other people to enlist. That's what he's most valuable for the Army as. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Army and the NFL give him this offer like, Hey. Right, it's like the virgin Noam Chomsky, the Chad Pat Tillman. That's, That's what they wanted to. Uh, I just pictured the Russians the virgin... attacking, and Mike and the baby have to go meet Deb somewhere. And Mike is like rushing out with the baby, and then drives away, but leaves the baby on the curb on accident. And then he picks up Deb, and she's like, "Where's the baby?" And he's like, "The Russians took him." <laughs> <laughs> he just lets the baby die in the war. <laughs> and how many why parents? Are you, why did are you that? getting so many bits well, for my baby? Dies. Did that though? How many parents like? Or just anybody, like you're rushing out the door because uh, because an enemy force is coming and like you accidentally trip your wife and she splits her head open yeah. and you're just like, oh fucking the goddamn US military, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the hell, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. I wouldn't leave my baby behind. I'm not. <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> right, right, I'm gonna, we're gonna edit that out. Forty three fifty two. <laughs> oh shit um, but yeah so pat tillman gets this offer from the nfl to rotate out because he's already done a combat tour he can go back to play for the cardinals next year he declines he apparently has like a two-hour conversation with the coach and gives his thoughts on it but essentially it's like a military idea if i don't go somebody else is going to go in my place and you know it's I mean, you respect it, but it's sad because he deploys to Afghanistan April 8th, 2004, and then April 22nd, 2004, he's killed. Yeah. 
And I can go through the, the details of that incident here. I guess my question is like, so in the documentary that I watched, they were like, you know, a lot of a lot of 19 year olds who join the army, they're not really thinking about like honor and duty and things like that. They mm-hmm. want to kind of like, you know, assert their masculinity or whatever. Yeah. So it just makes you think like, does the average military person, do they sort of like believe in what they're doing or do they have to lie to themselves or tell themselves stories to, um, you know keep going yeah i mean i think it depends on the unit depends on the um the background of the individual the rank yeah i also think you're just young enough to believe in the dream right it's like Mm -hmm. the same reason that it'd be a lot harder for someone to pursue celebrity uh, as they get if they started older because they would know already it's bullshit just Uh like the country you know what Uh i mean it's Uh like you got to start when you're young and be excited, and then you get to become a famous musician. Because mm-hmm. if you start in your 30s, you're going to go, oh, mu- music's kind of gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Because right, 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 right. you know the truth. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think it's youthfulness. Yeah. And that's usually what I credit it to. And yeah. then the people who stay in, they probably just need, like, a job. Right. And they're like, it's like moving furniture. You're like, oh, I know how to do this. Well, and, you know, especially after 9-11, I do think there was a lot of legitimate belief, and that's when I was 17 in, like, 2007, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to, that was essentially it, where I was like, I love this country, I want to, you know, I want to serve. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And you don't realize, well, I'm serving the Carlisle Group and Raytheon, and, you know, the... And after 20 years of this fucking bullshit... If you want to do something honorable, you should have just joined (laughs) Al-Qaeda. You know, after 20 years of this bullshit war, the Army's having real problems getting recruits right now. And that is a problem. Yeah. yeah, None of us believe in this thing. And so an an attack happens again. How many people genuinely, like, give a shit? And that sounds terrible. But how many people go like, oh, no, America as a... I mean, they're going to go, oh, no, my family. Oh, no, my friends. But I don't know who believes in the country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I believe in, you know, ideas of behind you know the things we say about the country that aren't necessarily true and they're true in a lot of ways but no the government no right Hi, well, ben. i do have great interest in the history of this country and i think it was a different <laughs> sorry just she has one fucking job when i'm doing my <laughs> fucking podcast when i'm at when i'm at work yeah well it, it's just something where I think with 9-11, it was pretty easy to paper over all the changes that have taken place. Mm-hmm. But now it's like we all recognize America's a fucking business. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not getting paid, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a charity. I'm not here to do charitable work for the Carlisle Group and Raytheon. These yeah. people who have all the fucking money in the world. Yeah. You know, it's like if if you're going to give me a bunch of money, I'll think about it. I'll yeah. think if my conscience can live with it, but right. I'm not going to go out there for an enlisted salary and get my fucking arms blown yeah. off. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the country that cried wolf. It's like, oh, we're fighting right. for our freedom. We're fighting for our freedom. And then finally it's going to happen and we're not going to be able to identify it. Yeah. And we're going to get, you know, things stuffed mm-hmm. in our butts. Yeah, but so April 22nd, 2004, Pat Tillman and his platoon are on this village search mission. So the other thing I want to say about, because in the documentary they talk about, like, around that time there were two stories in in the news about the war. One was Pat Tillman's death, but the other one was that this lady, like, took photos of of soldiers' caskets coming home with the flag draped over it. And that was, like... And then she sent it to her new her local newspaper, and she was fired from her job because that was, like, against the law to do that. You're not allowed to publish photos of coffins 
of guy of of right American coffins uh, yeah. coming home. Why is this? And um, it's a it was like a federal law or something. It was a federal law for like eighteen years. It came they were from able to yeah. yeah in the Vietnam War they had this idea that they lost because of the media. The media showed the war. The media showed the dead bodies mm-hmm. and the U.S. troops caskets coming home and all that. Mm-hmm. So with the Persian Gulf War in 1991, they became really obsessed with media control and they right. put this in place to like hide the the caskets coming home because they thought as long as the U.S. public doesn't see the dead bodies, they won't turn against the war. It's not even dead bodies; just a box with a flag on it. Basically, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the idea is if you see a bunch of those, you might think you might be like, maybe this yeah. is not worth it. Yeah. You'd think they just put them in something. Like, you don't have to put a dead body in a casket. Right, you could put them in a contractor bag or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> put them in a vending machine or you something. Should, there should be, like, a big meat grinder at the army base, <laughs> and you just grind them up and mix it with sawdust and put them in contractor it, bags, okay. and those are the bodies. <laughs> On the C-17s, you make a big Lego Millennial Falcon, Yeah, and you just stuff all the dead bodies in there, and nobody will know. Yeah, exactly. You just get, like, a, a jet, and then you just crash the jet into a mountain yeah. <laughs> with all the soldiers' bodies in it. We should have to, I mean, there was you certainly a time where you, as a soldier, had to use dead bodies as weapons. It was like, and that you you signed up as a soldier and knew mm-hmm. if I die, someone is going to pick me up and use me as a shield, or someone's going to cut off my head and swing my hair around and use me as a club. Like I, I want to be like a body donor to the army. Yeah, that's probably what war used to be like, right? What do you think? Yeah, it still happens on a Buddy dies next to you, his arm blows off. You pick up his arm and you start swinging it, right? Well, hopefully you didn't you have, have a gun. gun back then, but you didn't back in the day. What did you think people fought with? <laughs> well, back America's in the day, you know, the... like throwing fists, like throwing rocks, and yeah. then like a guy gets his head cut off, you pick him up by the hair, and now you have a weapon. Right. Your buddy. <laughs> Decapitated right. head. Yeah, right. your buddy. Right. You are, you know, and you fight the war. Your body is also used for the war. I would assume the natives would, would have some sort of thing like this. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Get the use out of everybody. Well, the first war in America, that was fought with guns, though. So going back, yeah, everybody yeah. had guns. Maybe maybe like cavemen or something. Yeah, 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 maybe, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line by Scott. The natives use every part of the body of their dead friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, they would have to, right? Shot down by the buffalo soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... So to just kind of run through this this mission, and then we kind of probably got to continue this on the Patreon, but uh, April 22nd, 2004, uh, they're on a village search mission. This is most of what the U.S. Army did in Afghanistan. They went from village to village, and they looked for weapons. Really, same shit in Vietnam, and Peter Dale Scott, among others, have really spelled out the, the parallels with Vietnam, whereas in Vietnam, there was this corrupt South Vietnamese government that were all... <laughs> drug traffickers the population hated mm-hmm. uh not as many pedophiles that's the new that's the right. new thing we added in afghanistan yeah that picture of that that monk setting himself on fire that yeah. famous picture he's protesting the uh dm regime right? yeah yeah they hated the government that's how much they hated the government right they would set I'd themselves on fire, on fire to help radiohead or to, to help rage against the machine have it's their like, best album hey what, what, what was this government my wife because <laughs> that's what i think about doing sometimes <laughs> That'd <laughs> be great if you set yourself on fire. Be awesome to protest death. <laughs> to make a point to your wife. 
Has anyone ever lit themselves on fire and then like... I do all the fucking... I do all the cleaning and all the laundry. <laughs> yeah, actually, you think you do, but you don't. Oh, yeah, really, bitch? Sick cross applesauce. Yeah. And just just sit there meditating while you right. burn to death. <laughs> but that's never resulted your wife won't in stop like whatever you. they're protesting being like, uh, okay, Scott we're going to think about it. It's Scott. just a guy on fire now. Scott and I are like there while Mike's on fire chanting, a podcaster has died. A podcaster has died. <laughs> it's just funny when you're married, you get nagged like while you're coming sometimes, you know? You can't even enjoy your orgasm because <laughs> as, the, as the jizz is coming out of you, your wife's got some fucking sh- shit to say. <laughs> oh, great. More things I forgot. Oh, yeah. I'll change the fucking light bulbs tomorrow. God damn it. Yeah, you know how the guy at Tiananmen Square didn't die because people pushed him out of the way? It was actually yeah. his wife because oh, right. they had to continue going grocery shopping. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. She's like, you're going to help me carry these bags, Henry. <laughs> He's standing in front of the tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, kill me. <laughs> Pat Tillman was about to take the deal to like leave and go back to the NFL, and then his wife started nagging him. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to get three in my fucking forehead. <laughs> yeah. That is so. That is a great way to make, yeah. Or your boss at work, just set yourself on fire. <laughs> it is Man, incredible. Shout out to that monk. We don't, we don't know his name, but we should. Yeah, I forgot his name, unfortunately. But oh, does he have it? Is he known by history? Yeah, he's, okay. he's, pretty, he's known by history. And there were other monks, but he's the, the first and most famous. And he was the senior Buddhist monk who did that. And How did he just sit there? Through um, uh, nirvana. Yeah. Through, I guess, training and, and all that. Yeah. That you can, I guess, overcome pain and, and yeah. all that. But yeah. But yeah, the um, it's the adrenaline from owning somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about being right. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they write about it uh, very movingly, and uh, James W. Douglas does in JFK and the Unspeakable. But like I kind of referenced earlier, basically the other monks they let the press know something was going to happen. That's why the photograph exists. They showed up the next day, and the other monks kind of sat around him while he was burning and just chanted, "A Buddhist monk has died. A Buddhist monk has died." Or they said something like that. But it was I don't know, very moving and heartbreaking. Mm. Anyways, um, so. April 22nd, 2004, they're on this village search mission, you know, go to village to village, checks for weapons, just like the U.S. Army used to do in South Vietnam. Uh, Their Humvee breaks down, and they spend six hours stuck in this one village with a broken down Humvee. The platoon leader wants to just destroy the Humvee and move on. However, they radio back to the base, and the lieutenant colonel back at base says, fuck no, can't destroy the Humvee, you know, that'll make me look bad. So he orders the platoon to split in two halves, what are called serials. And everybody in the platoon is apparently opposed to this, but orders are orders. The lieutenant colonel back at the base says split into two halves. So the platoon splits. One, uh, one of the halves is supposed to tow the vehicle, and the other one, including Pat Tillman, is supposed to go ahead to the next village, you know, so they can finish their objectives before it gets dark. Uh, Pat, Pat Tillman's... Uh, group his serial one they reach they, they're going through so this. how many how many guys are in a platoon like like 12 yeah 20? let me see and so they're just going from village to village looking for weapons basically yes. so they just roll in and they they what they search yeah they go from house to house they kind of, okay so a platoon's okay. like 20 to 50 soldiers mm-hmm. okay but yeah so they just kind of go from village to village and they talk to the locals and they search and you know try to make a good impression but right <laughs> usually don't usually don't um but so, uh, so like, 
20 to 50 people. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact number, but uh, they split in half. And the first group is with Pat Tillman, and they're headed to the next village. And they go through this canyon, you know, with like ridge lines up above on both sides. Um, they get to the end of the canyon. Pat Tillman's does. And at this time, the, the second serial, the second group, is behind them, and they're towing the Humvee. They got a local Afghani to, to use his truck to tow the Humvee. The second one is just entering the canyon as Pat Tillman's one is getting to the end of the canyon, and they can see the next village. And at this point, it's very much disputable what happens, but basically, most or all the soldiers, or most all the soldiers in later testimony, say they come under mortar attack. And they identify two mortars, two mortar explosions. Like, there's an explosion, and the soldiers testify in later investigations. They thought it was an IED. Then there's another explosion, and they realize it's a mortar. And then they say, or at least some of them say, that like 10 to 20 Taliban were up there on the ridgeline and started shooting down on them with small arms. And this is where I get very skeptical, because essentially, there's zero evidence of any Taliban anywhere in the area. Mm -hmm. They could not produce... Zero shell casings of any weapons that were not U.S. military. Zero bullet hits on any vehicle or soldier that was not U.S. military. And that's the thing where it's like if there's Taliban shooting at the Humvee, right. you would think there'd be one fucking AK bullet in any of the Humvees. They cannot produce any evidence of any of this. And the only thing, it, and like to my knowledge, they didn't even produce evidence. The mortars, other soldiers have speculated it might have been accidental discharge. But that's the thing. There were... At least two explosions. We don't know what caused them. And then there's all this conflicting testimony. And, and another thing where w when you go through the testimony, the troop testimonies, they're always unsure. They're always catching I don't know. And they're always saying like uh, that essentially they started firing because their squad leader started firing. You know, so it, it's just it, it's very weird and it's very disputed what happened. But regardless, the squad with Pat Tillman in it, they're at the end of the canyon. And then the other one is coming up behind them. Pat Tillman and uh, this Afghan National Army member and uh, this other uh, soldier named Brian O'Neill, they go up to this rocky hill because they get the idea that if we get higher up, we can do suppressing fire and we can support Serial 2, which is coming up behind us. And what happens is Serial 2 starts shooting at Pat Tillman and this other soldier. And they later say they saw the Afghan National Army guy. You know, he's a bearded Afghani. They assumed he was Taliban. That's what they say. They kill him right away. So this Afghan National Army guy gets killed, and they're still firing on the position of Pat Tillman and Brian O'Neill. But what happens, part of what really convinced me this was a murder, is because essentially they're, uh, these two guys are Tillman and, uh, and O'Neill. They're crouched down behind a rock, and Tillman comes up with this idea of, I'm going to throw a smoke grenade, which is like a signal. This is a friendly Friendly fire, you know, they're shouting, you know, friendlies, friendly fire, cease fire. They're shouting this. Tillman comes up with this idea, throw a smoke grenade, which he does, and the firing stops. And then, this is from Brian O'Neill, what he says, he's the other, the survivor who was there with Pat Tillman. He says that this other serial, this other group, they stopped firing, then they drove forward to get into a better position. They stopped about 40 yards again, away and then they started firing again. And uh, Pat Tillman's already been wounded at this point. He's been hitting the, the chest, the hands. And at this point, they start firing at him again. And O'Neill quotes 
Pat Tillman's last words as being, I'm Pat fucking Tillman. I'm Pat fucking Tillman. You know, cease fire, that kind of stuff. And then he says, O'Neill says, that he heard what he thought sounded like a drinking fountain. And he looked over and he realized Pat's brains had been blown out and he was just leaking blood everywhere. And this was because he had three closely grouped shots in the forehead. Pat Tillman did. And so the official army story is that he was shot by this the uh, from a vehicle that was moving. And Brian O'Neill says there's no fucking that didn't happen. The the vehicle moved forward, the vehicle was or the people in the vehicle and the people who had gotten out of the vehicle, they were shooting. The smoke grenade was thrown. They moved forward, stopped, and then started shooting again. And um you know, the military lies, they give him the silver star, they have this big memorial, they spend over a month saying that he died heroically um you know running up this hill chasing the taliban away yeah, and then screaming i'm pat fucking tillman <laughs> that, that's how they they uh retold it yeah, yeah. but uh, and then in july uh, they finally have to admit the truth because the journalist files a freedom of information act request for kind of what happened there and that's when they switch to this was accidental friendly fire and uh, on the Patreon, I guess I got to continue this story as to what convinced me that this wasn't just accidental friendly fire. What uh, what made me very much sure that this was intentional murder. And, you know, I'll just say something that I didn't hear much of, but you can look this up, is that there were Delta Force snipers attached to Pat Tillman's platoon for this mission. Doesn't make any fucking sense. And uh, the, the soldiers who were in the platoon have given testimony. They always say they didn't know the names of those guys or there were snipers there. We didn't know their names. And that's code for in the Army Delta Force. The guy who wrote the book Black Hawk Down, he talks about he was very frustrated because he would interview the Rangers who were there, you know, the Black Hawk Down incident in Somalia. And uh, they would keep saying, I didn't know the name of the guy. I didn't know this guy. And, and that was always code for Delta Force because Delta Force is the most secret it's the army equivalent of the Navy SEALs, but mm. the, the military does not officially acknowledge it exists. Mm. It's extremely classified. Mm. And it's just like, eventually the Associated Press, they foiled the Defense Department in 2007. They released this article. They get about 2,300 pages of testimony from the army investigation. Uh, and just quoting from the Associated Press, Army medical examiners were suspicious about the proximity of three bullet holes in Pat Tillman's forehead, tried without any success to get the Army to investigate whether the former NFL player's death amounted to a crime. Uh, quoting from the AP again, quote, there was no evidence at all of enemy fire at the scene. No one was hit by enemy fire, nor was any government equipment struck. Uh, continuing, included in the documents was a statement from a doctor who examined Tillman's body, telling Army investigators, quote, The medical evidence did not match up with the scenario as described. Documents indicate the doctor said he took the unusual step of calling the Army's Human Resources Command and was rebuffed. He then asked an official at the Army's Criminal Investigation D Division if the CID would consider opening a criminal case, which they refused, but only in 2007 when they got pressure from the family, they did. And the Army conducted seven investigations where they said there was no malice. This was all an accident. And the Congress, Congress uh, did one investigation where they essentially said, hey, the Army wouldn't really cooperate, so we don't know. And that was, uh, that was basically the end of the story. But, uh, but I'll, I'll kind of continue the evidence. And, you know, I think this came from high up. And I, the only other thing I want to mention is we know fucking Dick Cheney 
when he was vice president, was running a secret kill list out of the White House. Mm -hmm. Seymour Hersh has reported on this. And what that was was JSOC, the Joint Special Operations Command, which is the military command that controls all these special forces, Delta Force, Navy SEALs. They were reporting directly to Vice President Dick Cheney's office. And he was telling them who to kill. This is all illegal, all highly classified. Obama never did anything about it. But I just, in in, in closing, and then we'll continue this on the Patreon, people understand that. They understand that Dick Cheney had his secret illegal kill list, but they just can't take that final step, which is not every fucking name on that thing was a Muslim. You know? It's, it's... Hmm. It like this is a very evil guy, <laughs> yeah. And it's it really it, it really just defies belief to me in terms of who would have memes motive and opportunity. That's where I look. But I think just in summary, people should understand we don't know the names on this fucking list. It's all classified. It's all illegal. There was never any punishment. And I am extremely skeptical at the idea that he only ever killed you know quote unquote Muslim terrorists. I think. I think he probably settled some scores, and I think killing a guy like Pat Tillman... You think he, he killed Brittany Murphy, probably? <laughs> probably, yes. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it's it, it turns a guy who's about to be a, a major liability, probably would have become a prominent anti-war politician, hmm. turns him from that, from being the next Jesse Ventura, into being a martyr who, right. who sells recruitment for the military. Yeah. Bummer. Well, I guess sometimes the, the bad guys win, huh? Yeah, every now Especially and then. Especially in this country. Yeah. All right. We're going to continue this conversation on Patreon. So join us over there. Patreon.com slash Pod. That episode will be out on Sunday night. Some, sometimes the bad guys win. And you can tell by uh, how much more the Behind the Bastards Patreon makes than us. So if <laughs> you want that? to... Th- that's another podcast I listen to. But oh, if okay. you want to hear the official U.S. military story, you can you can find it over there. Yeah. Oh, who who does that show? Behind the Bastards. This guy named Robert Evans. Oh, okay. It just seems like a lot of limited hangouts where they mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they do the incompetence negligence angle. But, um, yeah. you know, maybe maybe he's not malicious. Maybe right. I'm just reading into that. Yeah. Well, that guy's on my shit list now because I'm a very loyal person. All right. See you over on Patreon. kill list. Yeah. See you guys over on Patreon. Bye-bye.